dark save for light being cast from the big tv screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning knowing you may one day get to podcast fills you with determination i have always been filled with determination sir it was not just that thing <laughs> it wasn't i was born full of determination and i will die full of determination in fact uh, I bet a lot of people die because they were full of determination to do something they probably shouldn't have been doing. I, I would say that statistically, yes, people who died of unnatural causes were probably filled with determination immediately prior to th- to said death. Yeah, you know what this is. Statistically, this, this, filled with determination is like the highbrow version of "Hey, watch this." Yeah, or, or <laughs> hold my beer. Yeah. Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, would we play? Uh, we went back and played Super Mario World. So that way we could kind of see on on game 101 how we have progressed ourselves as podcasters and of reviewers of games. We said we might do that, but what we decided was to play Undertale. So we played Undertale. I played Undertale. No, we we said that we no, we said that we were going to do Super Mario World and then next time we were going to do Undertale. I remember it. Dude, check check the counter. I manage the counter. I'm I'm checking it right now. Hey, you you hold 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 a minute, sir. I am checking this right now. Okay, so you know, I don't really think that it matters who's right or who's wrong in situations like this. I mean, really, I mean, you know, we're we're just all on this earth to just kind of like get along and 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 really, does it really matter who's right? I mean, I don't think so. I think that the main thing is that that I am now woefully underprepared for this episode so uh get just hang on hang on okay i i think i i i just got back from the room of spirit and time um and i think i'm ready to uh ready to jam out on this it's been i think probably what about a couple minutes your time but uh i've been in there for for you know, a couple days, so we should be good. Yeah, when it, I mean, whenever you're not right in front of me, I just kind of zone out. So could have been could have been weeks. I have no idea. Oh, naturally, I assume that whenever I leave your presence, you go into a some sort of a semi stasis, as do all humans when I'm not actively interacting with them. So you're like a toddler, <laughs> <laughs> or Homer Simpson, one there, or the other. There you go. <laughs> so actually, that but then we kind of repeat ourselves, huh? Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> So this game is actually, it's more and less recent than I thought. Uh, September 15th, 2015. And, and it's it's just recent enough in time that it feels like, oh yeah, it came out like a year or two ago, right? But, yeah. it's, but it's not so long ago that I was like, oh no, that that's 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 not new anymore, right? It's, it's still in that, it's a teenager. It's like in that, that twilight zone. Yeah, I, I think that this is, and this is going to sound tangential for a second, but this is why I think that vampires would all lose their minds because like literally you said 2015 and I was like oh yeah like last year and then my brain said nah man it's that's like five years ago I was like that can't wait no that's right and and it's it's just as you get older years kind of all start to blur together you know because I remember when I was like eight I could tell you I was eight and three quarters you know and a year a school year felt forever and now I'm just kind of like how old am I I forget that sometimes so 
know, if there was a being who lived a thousand years, it, it'd just be like, I don't know. I don't even know why I talked to anyone because you'll crumble to dust before I can learn your name. Um, so this game is not crumbled to dust. It's not crumbled to dust years there. old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't normally feel super obligated to do this, but because this is a new-ish game and there's like a lot going on in here, I'm going to pretty openly refer to story events and like things in the game universe because I feel like they're relevant details to the critique. I'm not going to fall all over myself to spoil the story, but like there's going to be spoilers in here. So if you really super duper care about that game only takes like four hours to beat. So go play the game and then come back and listen to the episode. Yes. I don't think that there would be a good way to do. I mean, like you could do a cursory dive on this for like a 10 minute YouTube video, but if you're going to do a deep hour, hour and 20 minute dive like we normally do, I don't know how one would do that without potentially spoiling the plot or discussing the plot at some point, you know? Well, and and particularly, and here we go right off the bat, right? In a game where there's a lot of fourth wall breaking and a lot of like quirkity quirk, quirk, quirky quirk, we know we're a video game quirkiness, right? So like, if you were just talking about like Final Fantasy VII, like you could review the mechanics of the game and the the graphics and the audio without talking about the story, but the story elements in Undertale are in many places tied directly to the mechanics because they're constantly breaking the fourth wall. Um, yeah, but I mean, you could probably get through a Final Fantasy VII review without spoiling the big reveal that you know uh, Cloud is stabbed through the abdomen abdomen by Sephiroth and then dies without a phoenix down. You know, like about a third of the way in. Yeah. And he's actually a werewolf. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what what is your new nostalgia goggles experience? Like how did, how did this game come into your life? So my new nostalgia experience for this um, actually does inform some of my playthrough as well, which is I, um, I played, uh, I, I, I got this game maybe in 2018 as like, this could be a fun one for me to play with Teddy in the sense of like, <laughs> I, I knew that he would not be able to play it, but I figured it would be colorful enough to like keep his attention, sure. you know? So I, I could play it and he could watch um, way too text heavy, heavy for that. Uh, so, but that being said is I was just kind of like, okay, so I, I played it and I played it and I played it. And, uh, and I got about 95% of the way through it. Like I got all the way to ask or, and then, I just put it down and I did not pick it back up until this playthrough. So, <laughs> so then I was like, okay, I've got to review this. So I, I want to go ahead and see the ending I was on, which I'll kind of tell you some of my other experience with it a little bit later. But uh, I wanted to see like what the ending was. And I picked it up and started fighting Asgore. I'm like, <laughs> my skills have decayed so badly on this game. That there's no way I can play it. And so then I just started playing through from the beginning again, but I wasn't able to get through the whole thing. So now I've got this weird fragmented gaming experience on what and i've never actually seen the ending even though i put in more than enough time to have seen the ending i have not seen the ending so uh i i mean i've seen it through youtube videos i I did not experience it so that is my new nostalgia experience you so this game i I didn't realize until we finally because we actually attempted to play this for the show once before Right. Mm -hmm. So like we we said like this was on our schedule and then we had to bump it for reasons I honestly don't remember at this point. But um, this game has been uh, like hanging around my neck like an albatross for uh, a long time. And I did not know this about myself until we finally decided like, okay, this time we're going to play it because 
uh, we want to play a nostalgia game. So let's let's get Undertale back into the rotation. And I realized that in the years before this was on our rotation, like this is an indie darling, right? This is mm-hmm. this is every like nerd at home's dream is that they love video games. They will make a game based on games that they loved. Right. And I, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but essentially fan fiction. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that thing will blow up and they will make all the money and get all of the accolades and be a game developer. Like I have had this dream. I wouldn't be surprised if you have had this dream. Like a lot of people who play video games have had this daydream where they're like, Oh man, I just, I bet I could make a better Sonic game than, than team Sonic. I bet I could make a better Mario than team Mario. I bet I could make a better borderlands than team, but whatever. Right. Just like, and so I've, I've seen, I've read articles about this game. I've watched YouTube videos about this game. I've talked to people about this game. I knew most of the major twists ahead of going into this playthrough because it's just, it's been everywhere, right? That's why I say like, yeah, we're going to talk about spoilers, but if you care about this game at all, you either don't care about having it spoiled or someone else has already spoiled you because this was just friggin' everywhere. And so right. when I finished this, cause I, I did manage to beat it ahead of recording. So when I, when I finished it, I was like, I feel like there's a weight off my chest because I've gotten my nerd credit back, right? Like I love earthbound. I love JRPGs. I love stupid, quirky indie games. And now I can say I have played and finished undertale and everybody can just get off my back. Right. Cause it's like, true. it's like, Oh, Hey man, you, you like quirky games. What'd you think undertale? And up until this week I had to be like, Oh, uh, you know, I actually haven't played through it yet. Now I can be like, Oh, I, I did a whole podcast about how I felt about it. So if you want to know exactly how I felt about it, here you go. You see, I, I've actually um, felt that the best way to kind of deal with that is to uh, lie um, <laughs> <laughs> and just tell people I played it, you know, and they're like, oh, what do you think of Undertale? I'm like, oh, man, it's a great game. I really and just kind of like regurgitate some of the stuff I've heard um, because that, I, I think that it is a very interesting and fun because I'm playing a different game. I'm playing the game of how long can I hold a conversation with somebody and still have them think that I know what I'm talking about? You know, it's like whenever somebody walks up to me and says like, oh, you got a Denver Broncos shirt. I'm like, yes. And they're like, <laughs> so what do you think of the Broncos this year? I'm like, ah, you know, I mean, like, like all seasons can sometimes be touch and go, but this one in particular, you know, and then you just let that hang. And then they then, you know, like you become the empty pot for them to put their knowledge into. Like, it's a fun game. And, and that's that's what I've been doing with, with this. That's how I've been coping. Yeah. I mean, th- this is because I'm a big Earthbound fan from from back in the day and i don't mean like one of the weirdos who imported everything from japan i mean like a normal i haven't amount. heard of that yeah i haven't heard of that one no you don't know that one uh, no a, a normal amount of weirdo right <laughs> um yeah but th- this this game was just like a i'm supposed to have played this right um right so yeah before we jump into it uh proper um we have to take a minute to uh thank all the people who uh like and review and comment and uh, tweet at and send the fan mails and support us on Patreon and follow me on Twitch and do all of those Go things outside of their house and yell at us. Yeah. Those, those people are my favorite. Oh yeah. No, they, they, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll miss you most of all scarecrow. Really? We're right here. We're standing right here. So I mean, <laughs> like all the people who subscribe and they're like, well, apparently none of our stuff matters because, you know, we're not screaming outside of our house. But now they know how to get into our good graces, which I feel like, you know, now we're back on even footing. They know what's expected. Yeah, exactly. Of them. Yeah. yeah. It's good to set expectations. 
Um, <laughs> this is not technically a uh, viewer request, but many viewers have requested this game um, up to as recently as the day of recording where I tweeted something like, I finally finished Undertale ahead of recording and I have feelings. And like 30 seconds later, someone responded to me and was like, I look forward to it. <laughs> I was just like, whoa, I really hope I don't disappoint all these people with whatever my opinion is. Or actively anger them, you well, know? Like, or that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. It's like, I'm looking forward to it because there's no inflection there. Like, that could absolutely be a threat you yeah, know? <laughs> totally yeah yeah that, that's the thing about twitter is everything is both like hey i'm looking forward to it or yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah oh i'm looking forward to it um, <laughs> but before we jump into visuals uh i do want to uh, as we are now going to be doing uh thank yep. uh our 16-bit hero jacob for being a 16-bit hero on patreon so he gives us money he helps make this happen we appreciate that yes very much so many many thanks jacob you 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 are the best you are better than us jacob you are the best now now i think we could talk about the game okay so um the the game so visuals right uh really really clean visuals you know in the sense of you know not not only are they you know nostalgic in nature as they're going to be they look like 16-bit actually not even 16-bit they look like 8-bit graphics you know um well well. (laughs) i mean go on there's a smattering of different like pixel densities uh mm-hmm. that i have some notes about but you you go on well i'll, I'll give the, the the first pass and then you can kind of get into the weeds but um but what i was gonna say is that they're really clean in the sense of that they're not uh cluttered messy it's very very clear where you are in relation especially on the the normal world map not in the encounters you know it's very clear where you are in relation to everything things that you can interact with things you can't uh things that are walls kind of how the world's built out there's no home alone 2 syndrome where you don't know what's in the foreground or what's in the background um you know and even in the battles it's very very clear uh you know like what you can in general what you can and can't interact with so um so yeah so so basically as far as how they facilitate you interacting with the game uh i thought they did a good job paying homage to the older style of graphics but at the same point in time uh making it very uh interactable so that's like my first pass i got i got deeper notes than that but (laughs) no it's my i I think that's true um I, i i listed this as uh ms paint graphics which the more I, I read that heading, the more I'm like, wow, that sounds super derogatory. But everything looks like it could have been drawn in MS Paint, right? There's mm-hmm. very little uh, detail. There's very, very little shading. Almost nothing casts shadows or has dynamic lights. And when there are shadows, they're super like tonal, right? It's really important to that scene, like um, kind of contextually. Uh, and that that's all fine. Um, my problem... <laughs> the thing that I noticed and was like, huh, with is there are certain spots that are not necessarily the spots you would expect where suddenly the graphical fidelity skyrockets. So like when you go into a shop, for some reason, mm-hmm. all the shopkeepers are like, that's more of what I would say is like 16 bit Super Nintendo kind of graphics. But then like the overworld, all of the monster sprites, all of the environments could all absolutely have existed on a Nintendo, right? So fewer colors, fewer pixels, less detail, less, just less of everything. And then in the encounters, there's no character sprite. 
the enemy sprite is literally just black and white. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. what a pixel artist would call one bit, right? So there's the background is black and then the character is drawn with just white, right? So there's, right. there's on and off bits and that's it. And that's, this isn't to say that any of it is bad, but then you go into the shops and for some reason, those are all like way higher resolution. They, they animate and they move and they have gestures while they're talking to you. One of them does like terrifying, like jerky neck movements. And it's really unsettling. He has way more frames of animation than almost any other outside of a shop, like any other character in the game. And I just, I don't know. I don't know why they did that. Like (laughs) it's just such an odd choice. I, I, or at least I have a belief on why they did that. Um, so uh, it's not like like no no I spoke to the uh, I spoke to the designer. I spoke I, to Tony. Yeah, he's 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 cool. He's pretty chill. Um, you know, not 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 the favorite of the designers that I hang out with, but you know, <laughs> it's top five. Um, he's gonna listen to this and be like, "Excuse me, sir, I have never like tapity tap." Anyways, oh no uh, no. no, he's he's gonna listen to this and then he's gonna turn and look at your picture on his desk and there's just gonna be <laughs> sad piano music as it like pans in on his single tear. <laughs> <laughs> like the sad Hulk walking away music. It's like he like slowly puts the picture down, you know? Um, so here, here's why is because I believe that um, the shop. So the, the, the people that you interact with in the shops, right? They, they are, they, they are definitionally there to help you. Right. You know, like they're, they're a shop. Right. So they want to show, um, you know, like, the, the the animation and all that kind of stuff, you know, because they, because they can. They specifically don't do it on anyone else because they want you to project what you think their emotional state is, you know? So if they're lower resolution, right, then you don't expect them to look angry or or fearsome or scary or or sad or whatever, right? So because, uh, because of that, it, it allows you to say like, okay, because, and, and this is why I think they did that is because with Flowey, they, they actually, in the beginning, you know, they, he looks super peaceful and then he looks super evil. And then for the rest of them, they just kind of keep kind of a general neutral feeling, right? So that way you can kind of say, oh, no, th- they're evil. They're trying to kill me, right? If you put them at way higher fidelity, you would have to animate some kind of a face or facial expression. Otherwise, it would look weird. But at this lower fidelity, it creates more of like a blank slate for you to project on. So we can be like, oh, no, they're all bad guys. They're trying to get me. It's like, no, we never actually said that. You know, you did that on your own. And you're like, oh, well, do I feel sheepish? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, at least no, that's that, my theory. I, that particularly when you juxtapose shopkeepers and monsters, right? Cause there's, there right. are other people you see in the overworld in, in the towns that are not shopkeepers or monsters. So you don't, you only see their overworld sprite. Um, mm-hmm. but the main things you interact with in like an RPG sense are the shopkeepers and the monsters, right? So you're in a world of monsters. Technically everything's a monster, but it's, right. yeah, I, there's there's merit to that and even if that wasn't the intention it's it's not untrue that it's like oh here's a place where you can just decide if every wild animal is out in its natural habitat and you're observing it or if they're about to attack you and you have to kill it and by the way we're going to punish or reward you later based on how you chose to feel about that we'll get to that 
Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just kind of like if you see a, an eight bit wolf sprite, you know, is it's just like, oh, well, it's it's an it's an enemy, it's an enemy mob, you know. Whereas if you had like it, it was in beautiful thirty two bit, right, you know, you could be like, oh, well, that's just a, it's just a wolf. He's out wolfing around, or no, he's got like his hackles up, he's head down, you know, like red eyes, you know. It's like, oh, that that thing is is an enemy. It's trying to kill me, you know. But just ripping all of that away, then you just project onto it, and you're like, oh, that's trying to kill me. It's like, is it? Okay, you know, and yeah, then they no, just I'm, wanna... I'm on board with this theory. <laughs> um, one of the uh, and 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 that's that was one of my notes. So thank you. I get to check that one off. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the other things is the the level design um, visually very clearly funnels the player in in my in my opinion. You know, so there's never any point where you're like, where do I go? What do I do? You know, so. And and that's something that, especially in a game that is visually represented so simplistically like this, it would be really easy to screw up, you know, to where you could kind of be like, okay, I'm in a, I'm in a big giant world, where do I go? And and at no point, the only time when I really got lost was when after two years I booted this game back up and I just went in the wrong direction. Like I couldn't remember which way was north and which way was south, so it just went for a little bit. I'm like, hmm, nothing's happening. This seems unlikely. So I just like double backed and I was like, oh, this is the way I'm supposed to go. But again, I didn't get lost in the weeds, you know? And, and so it very much is like, uh, we've chided games about this before, like Final Fantasy, blah, 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 uh, where, you know, it's like these huge, giant, sprawling backgrounds, but you can only walk on this one path. Hallway you know? simulator. Yeah, a hallway simulator, right. But this is, this is supposed to be that because it's not supposed to be an open world game like they they want you as far as the environment they want you on rails because they don't want you exploring the environment and spending all your time there they're like we want you to have a very specific experience that you generate for yourself you know so it's not like they say like it's not you know like a communist choice where no matter what you decide this one thing happens you know it there is a lot of depth to your decisions but they want to remove all of the other decisions you could be making because they want you making like these series of decisions. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying it well, but it's a, uh, it's, it's the visual affordance of the character's focus on their objective, right? All, all the child determination. That's right. (laughs) All the child is determined to do is to get home, right? To leave the underground and to go back to the surface world and get out of monster land. Um, yep. And so if, there was all of these like side paths and alleys and avenues and, and, you know, forks in the road and stuff that would maybe be overwhelming, maybe be annoying if it turned out it was a hallway simulator and you can't actually go down any of those. But this feels a lot more like the child is singularly focused on getting from here to there. And Mm -hmm. maybe there are technically other houses and other towns and other alleyways. And you could go like when you're in the the forest area, like, yeah, the monsters could weave in between the trees and go see what's over there in the forest. But the child can't, because that's not what the child's doing. Child is going over there to the barrier to try and escape the underground. And so having having everything, yeah. yeah, Having everything be kind of linear like that sort of reinforces like, this is what they're doing. Right. And And it would make sense for the child's perception to be like, you know, I am going in this direction. You know, like I am trying to do thing A. Because, I mean, we both have kids. We've seen them do that, you know, where it's like, I'm going to do thing A. It's like, did you not notice the 15 things along your path that could have screwed that up? Like literally earlier today, my two-year-old 
while singularly focused on something else, picked up a glass of milk and full blown missed her mouth. Like not even, (laughs) not even by a little bit. And she went all in on that gulp. Like she was, she literally, I just was eating pizza and I look up and I see her actively pouring milk all the way down. (laughs) And I literally, because Megan was, was, was like taking a nap. I, I loudly exclaimed, are you serious? How did you screw that up that badly? <laughs> and she's just like, I, I don't, I don't know. But that's the thing is because she like, like literally from her seat, like the cup didn't exist anymore. She was just pantomiming at that point because she was singularly focused on something else. So that, uh, that totally holds up. We, we got to talk about the, the text, uh, text font and like character portraits because okay. this game has an absolute buttload of text, as you said at the top. And, uh, they go, they lean real hard into different characters have different fonts that sometimes move in different ways. Uh, sometimes they use colors in obnoxious ways. Um, when you, when Sans is explaining to you that, uh, blue attacks, you have to stay still for orange attacks. You have to move for what he says is think of a stop sign. Stop signs are red. So imagine a blue stop sign. Yeah. (laughs) And then, but when he says this, he says that, and he says the word blue is written in blue. The word red is written in red. And then he's, when he says, so imagine a blue stop sign, blue stop sign is written in yellow. And I was just like, this is a game that is trying really hard to screw with me. And, and it is like, that's a great little micro example of like the game is going to be screwing with you constantly because it knows that it's a game. Right. And so, uh, like papyrus has like a crazy, you know, papyrusy sort of font. Um, sans has like comic sans basically, um, the main character has the most generic sort of like, cause they don't speak right. But their thoughts and stuff are represented. Right. And it's like the kind of generic, um, like RPG, you know, final fantasy one font. Um, but they're, they're doing this all over the place. Uh, even down to little things like in the very beginning, when you first see flowey and she, he flowey, he, they, they, uh, flowey is trying to teach you how to play the game. And they're trying mm-hmm. to trick you into dying. And they say something like, you idiot, walk into the bullets. And then after all that text is on screen, the word bullets f- disappears and is replaced with friendship pellets. And it's like, th- yeah. this is from, you know, 30 seconds into the game. They're basically telling you, like, keep your eyes on the text boxes because there's going to be really meaningful story and mechanical information in here. Like information is not just conveyed through text. It is conveyed literally through the text. Right. Yeah, no, uh, agreed. I didn't I didn't personally find it too um, obnoxious. I thought the the noise it made was singular, (laughs) uh, but that that's an audio note. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I, yeah, a lot, a lot of data is given to you in text, you know, it, and the text is very, very important, which is why ultimately I was unable to play this with Teddy was because not only can he not read, but also, um, he, uh, the, uh, 
because it was so important, I had to actually read it. It wasn't like a game where I could just hammer through the text boxes and be like, I got the gist of it. No, I needed to. um, And that was the thing is that when I was fighting Asgore, you know, uh, like a yellow, because I hadn't played in a while, like a blue ray came out and I was like, ah, there was something special about that, but I can't, (laughs) can't remember. I got to go back, you know? Um, So yeah, so a lot of data in the, in the text, which is, is, key and critically important which is not i don't think is neither good nor bad however it is basically saying like your audience must be literate you know i i would say they must be literate and they must be able to read quickly because one of the other things they do in battles is uh the stuff that can hurt you is white but they convey Mm -hmm. a lot of information through color and it's not just in the sprites or the lasers or the bullets it's also in the text so uh, the the veggie monster, uh, one of the ways you can subdue them is you can say um, you can pick like act dinner and then you like mm-hmm. pat your stomach and what the little bubble that seems like it would just be throwaway flavor text is um, eat your greens. And then the way mm. if you don't hit the green vegetable that comes flying out during the little combat sequence, then it doesn't work. So like you've been avoiding the little bullets that the enemies throw at you. But if it's a green bullet, you actually need to touch it. Right. Right. If it's a blue thing, you need to be staying still. If it's an orange thing, you need to be moving when it touches you. So like the 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 text, the contents of the words, the colors of the words and the timing and placement of the words is all conveying information. And so like, you know, my daughter's older than your son she could probably read all of these words, but not with a high enough literacy to also get all of that other contextual and subtextual information out of it. So like not just literate, but like fairly highly literate. Yes. Um, the, the one other big visual note that I had uh, was the, I, I, I thought that the uh, sprite for the child that you're playing uh, was very well designed in the sense that they are wildly unassuming, you yes. know, <laughs> like you don't you don't even look like what I would consider like a, a normal child. You look like kind of a, a, a dopey child, you know, like a, a, a doughy child, you know, like a I, I don't know if anything I just said was PC. So I apologize if I've said anything awful, but but like a, a child who is like, you know, just kind of not not super athletic like this child is not going out and and you know like running on the soccer team or anything like this and and they kind of like walk with like their kind of head forward and they're kind of shuffling along you know like they they are very un- drawn like a like a charlie brown character kinda, yes kind of yeah. round kind of soft um intentionally androgynous right so it's right. the the hair the clothing and everything is just like it's it, it might as well be a stick figure that says like it you yeah but the the reason why i like that is because i felt that and you know uh spoilers you're the monster but uh (laughs) (laughs) but no i i I liked that because it did prior to the game kind of hitting me over the head with it uh it did kind of raise my cognitive dissonance at one point where you know I, I, so, okay, so this is as good a time as any i need to take two minutes to kind of explain my experience with this which was uh very, I, I really enjoyed it, which was, um, I was playing along and then all of a sudden I had the realization of like, oh God, I'm the monster, you know? And I had that about a third of the way through my playthrough. And once I had that realization, I was like, 
I am now not going to kill anyone. You know, like now that I know that these monsters are not monsters, you know, and that I have the ability to not kill them, it is now incumbent upon me not to. And so because of that, though, I'd already killed like a whole lot of them. Um, So everyone was treating me as though I was a murderer. Right. Um, And so like like uh, Undine, when I was talking to her, her, them. Yeah. So I was talking to her. Yeah. When I was talking to her, um, she, uh, you know, she said like, you killed all my people. And I was like, I, I did. I did. And, and in my mind, I'm like, and I am sorry. You know, she's like, like, do you think I would let you get away with this? It's like, I, I'm not, I'm not that person anymore. I'm just not that person anymore. I've changed, you know? And she's like, I don't, I mean, you can't say any of this. Right. But I'm like, please, please don't do this. And as she's like desperately trying to kill me, I'm like, I, and I'm getting my butt kicked. I'm like, I promised myself that i would not lift another finger in violence even though this person is trying to kill me and has every right to try you know so i was like so it was really kind of meaningful to me to like kind of have that storyline because i thought about resetting the game but i said no you know what that's not how life works you don't get to make a whole bunch of mistakes and then just go back and undo them i now need to live with these mistakes so all of that being said um the the child being so unassuming uh raised my level of cognitive dissonance to the point where I was able to kind of start making that assessment a little bit sooner before the game hits you over the head with it, where the game actually says like any human is 10 times more powerful than the strongest monster. You know, it's like just because they have, I think it's, they have a soul, you know, Uh, it's the, it's the strength of their soul, strength of their soul. It's just like leaps and bounds more powerful because as I was playing, I was like, man, look at all these monsters and this kid's just like, I'm just like this kid and I'm just like walking through them. That's kind of weird. That wait, hang on, you know, but again, that was just kind of in the back of my mind. So I think that they did a good job with the visual of the child um, because it does very much. So if the, if the child was very athletic and if you were picking up armor and all this sort of stuff, you could be like, ah, well, you know, he's, he's putting up a fight. It's like, no, man, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a, a, a normal purple tea and jorts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody ever been threatening in jorts <laughs> no no one no one in the history of jorts has ever threatened anyone in jorts and been taken seriously <laughs> so, so um i i was i knew we were going to get to this the difference in our experience eventually um so i'm gonna i'm gonna share with you my anti-experience uh, but i also can tie this to visuals which is awesome so excellent uh as I said at the top of the show, um, I knew what I was getting into. I knew what I was getting into super duper hard. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I know I have to do the neutral route first, right? There's multiple ways to finish the game, multiple endings. And I was like, but they force you to do the neutral route first. So whatever decisions you make, you get roughly the same ending. But I was like, no, I'm going to, if I ever want to see the pacifist ending, that means I need to like practice not murdering mm-hmm. monsters. So I'm going to go through not going to kill anybody because I already know that that's what the game wants, right? The game wants Mm, me to not murder anyone. So I'm going through, I'm not murdering anyone. It's still nice to see like exactly what you're talking about, right? It's like, you know, Oh, you read the plaque that talks about the strength of the human soul. And you talk to the monsters that are just like, yeah, humans are like terrifying to us because we're not as powerful as they are. Right. In fact, a bunch of them don't even believe you're a human because they're not terrified of you. Right. So like, it's it's this whole, you know, meta narrative about the other and, you know, fear of the unknown and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Right. It was especially the, the, the fear of the unknown and the fear of the other 
tip in a case where the other is demonized but is wildly less powerful than you yes you know because it's like oh they're monsters they live underground they're super evil and terrifying it's like they in an army of them could not stand up to a child but they're still evil and terrifying you know they're monsters um so you know i'm going through the whole game and like you know i I already know like yes this thing looks like a a D&D monster that would absolutely under normal circumstances be stabbing to death. But instead I'm going to like tell it a joke or whatever dumb thing. And so, so then uh, here's where the, the uh, I tie this back to visuals. So I get to the end of the game. And like I said, I, I generally know what the twist is, but when you fight Photoshop flowey, which is actually literally the name of the, the final boss, um, it is terrifying looking. I mean, uh, absolute like Akira body horror, like just very, very alarming. Right. And so after you go through this, like really v- lots of violent flashing text on screen, just crap flying everywhere, big eyeballs and tentacles and ah, right. So like you, you get through this visually very upsetting and emotionally and psychologically threatening experience. And then, flowey is like okay you win like go ahead and kill me and you can just you just keep hammering spare it's just mercy 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 and every time he's like you know that if you let me live i'm going to come back and kill you it's like mercy he's like no really i'm going to kill everyone and like his face is doing that like terrifying quivering animation and like his eyes are all screwed up and he looks like a psychopath. And I literally kind of put the controller down because you're out of rounds at that point, right? Like it's just, just text boxes. And I kind of put the controller down and I stopped for a second and I was like, I would kill him. I'm not killing him because I, I know that that's what the game wants. The game wants me to not kill him, but no one who didn't already know to never, ever kill ever would leave this situation with this psychopath alive. He is, he is more than capable of hurting people you care about, because even if he's not capable of hurting humans, which you care about, he's absolutely capable of harming other monsters, which you know, because the way he enters the scene is he kills Asgore. So like the whole thing is like his threats are not empty. He is guaranteeing you that he is going to go and enact violence on people you care about. And I was just like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let him leave. I would absolutely kill him because I don't, personally me the player i don't believe in pure pacifism there are and i don't have the power to like put this person in jail so, so like right. you know what what are my options and so like i i had kind of the the opposite experience where you eventually realized like oh the kid looks unassuming but is the threat whereas i right. was like the flower looks terrifying and super is <laughs> it's a threat. yeah well and i think though that any this this to me though and, and not to wax too philosophical or eat up too much time with this but this to me is is why games are art you know and when people are dismissive of games like when i say like, oh you know like you should really check out this game they're like i i don't play games that's that's silly i prefer watching dramas online it's like okay <laughs> um so it is because Literally, I, I would like to think that most gamers, but I know I have several times in my life, have had a moment 
in a game where you put the controller down and you sit back and you're actually given pause, you know, to where you're like, what? I don't know what to do here. And like you said, like you knew mechanically what, what the right choice was, but you're like, okay, but really like, let me truly empathize with this, this, this individual, these individuals and this situation what's the right call like uh and and this is going to be a little tangential but one of the the pinnacle ones for me was when i was playing mass effect 2 um you're given an option to it's spoilers for mass effect 2 uh, but <laughs> you're given an option to uh basically the geth are like these robots that absolutely hate you right and so you're given the option to either like you get into their mainframe and you know you have like the kill switch so you have two options either a destroy them outright right like the entire species will suddenly die you know or reprogram them to believe that you're the savior you know and i actually put the controller down and had to think about that you know cuz it's like what what is the right choice here they're, they're none of them good you know and i mean and again this game for me you know like uh, it it very much so made me say like oh no i am literally i i actually had the opposite experience where you said I've been playing a game. Well, actually, no, excuse me. It was the same experience. We both had the experience of, I have been playing this as though it is a game. I need to treat this more seriously. You know? So you were playing it like a game and you were gaming the mechanics. I was playing it like a game and just playing it like an RPG. And we both had that exact same moment of, oh, no, wait, this game expects more of me. And I think that that's, uh, that's something that, that I really appreciate that games and game designers are willing to ask of their players. You know, to expect more. Yeah. So. But I mean, I, I was, like I said, the, the fact that Flowey threatening me with the, the shaky text, because it's supposed to be, you know, like their voice is trembling with rage yeah. and, and the, the terrifying face. I was like, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. Like, I've, I've seen the end of this movie. I've read the last page of the book. I know what I am supposed to do. God, I want to stab this stupid flower to death and just make <laughs> him stop. Like, yeah. so that was like, for me, that was exciting. Cause I was like, you know, Oh, well, I, I know the trick. Like hopefully I'll still, you know, get emotionally invested. And like, it was right at the end, but right at the end, I was like, ah, okay. Okay. They still got me. They still got me with that terrifying flower face. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that a game that even when you know, um, you you know like like you said like you've already made the decision because uh, I've had a couple of other games and I won't go into the details but games where you you have already mentally made up your mind as far as what you are going to do and if the game can then by the time you are actually doing it the game can challenge you on that it's uh yeah it's it's, it's impressive so um, did you have any other big notes for visuals uh, the only other thing is I just want to mention uh, a lot of the characters um, like Sans and and um, Papyrus uh, they have. Uh, faces in their text box. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I I like that. I like when RPGs do that because it's higher res, even though these are still super simple, um, but they can show like brows furrowing or teeth chattering, you know, lip flaps while they're speaking, you know, sad face, happy face. And I like that because I'm not trying to project myself into every NPC. Like I want to know how that NPC feels because they're supposed to be talking to me and I need some sense of their emotion. And so I'm, I'm glad that they used that, that visual affordance because, uh, as I think we're both about to say, when we talk about the audio, uh, the noise that characters make when they're talking certainly doesn't give you any useful information. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, 
I am sure because this game is 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 very well loved by many many people. Um, and and I'm always open to learn more things. I am sure that there is a good reason for why every single letter that's thrown up on the screen is, you know. But uh, I don't know what it was, and it got uh, it got kind of tiresome. You know, especially it got exceptionally tiresome. Don't 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 <laughs> don't be gentle on this. This is annoying as hell. Yeah, and I just I was like I don't know why. Again, I don't that one. I don't know why. You know, like we used to like I don't know why the sixteen bit versus the eight bit. I'm like I can come up with a theory. I don't have a theory on this one. I'm like I don't know why this was the call. This was I don't <laughs> I don't know if this is the exact same, but this was my Mario walking in. Uh, you know, Donkey Kong. Kong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's just as ubiquitous, it's just as meaningless, and it's just as uh, like like similarly grating because in, in Donkey Kong said like would you would you would you would you this is just you know um yeah so don't know don't know why it's, why why so my projecting good intentions onto Toby is that this is a stand-in for voice acting right so Sans's text scrolling noise sounds kind of like right like it sounds like someone who's just always kind of dopey chuckling right like he's just he's your buddy he's not an idiot but he's just kind of like a happy-go-lucky like you know sort of sort of dude and then like papyrus is like got a stick way up there right so like he's yeah, his, his stick has a stick up its ass yeah totally right so <laughs> so his text scrolling noise is like more grating it sounds more like a skeleton kind of like bones you know like teeth clacking sort of noise um so different characters have different um text scroll noises which i'm sorry it's not a stand-in for voice acting it's just not but i i think that that's it's it's like their use of color. It's like having the the portrait inside the text box. It is a constant reminder of what this person sort of vaguely sounds like. If you're reducing the sound of someone's voice, just all the way down to like a bass emotion. And the, the thing that made me have this realization, because at first I was just like, wow, this is, this is a little annoying. Like I'm getting a little annoyed by the sound effect. The thing that actually made me go, uh, crap, I think this might be on purpose, like super on purpose is, uh, when you're going through the lab, I think, and, or the, the core, maybe, I don't know when you're going through the section where your cell phone is ringing, like every five friggin' steps and the doctor is like, you know, Oh, go left over here. Oh, let's solve this puzzle. Oh, they have like their social network and they're like tweeting the whole time. Basically until they realize that you're following them and then they stop. Um, Every time that box popped up, I was just like, and I was like, Oh wait, but, but yes, this is exactly how I'm supposed to be feeling. I'm trying to do something and my phone keeps going off, right? I'm trying to do something and some asshole keeps calling me to be like, Oh, have you thought about solving this puzzle? And it's like, yes, you know, I have to solve the puzzle to leave here. Yes. I've thought about solving the puzzle. Why are we talking about this? And so like, I mean, I was super annoyed with that character. I'm sure there's a whole fan community that's like, no, the doctor's the greatest character. It's not the greatest character. The doctor sucks. <laughs> like, so like, I think that's hashtag not my doctor. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like, I, I think that is an extreme exemplar of the, 
text scroll noise conveys a certain kind of emotion. And in that case, the emotion that it was conveying was annoyance. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like for Sans, it's like chummy buddy. For Papyrus, it's like, you know, kind of uptight moron, right? So it's like, it's not a stand-in for voice acting, but I think that's what they're going for. And that and that makes sense. But again, you know, and, and, and I don't think anybody gets it like 100% right, you know? So... You know, if this is the one, the one negative thing, which I'm not sure that it is, but if it if it was, that, that wouldn't be uh, world ending. I will say this about the music: the music is amazing, so I good. Love the music. Nothing yeah. bad to say about the music. <laughs> no, the music is just a ten. And the reason why I know this is because uh, I played the game, and I believe it was even before I played the game. I, I mean, I have pretty much every one of these songs on my YouTube music at least twice because I've got like two different people's remixes of it, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I have heard, uh, you know, Megalovania or whatever, you know, uh, 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 not Sans. Yeah. Sans. Sans, Uh, Sorry. I was, yeah. His, uh, his fight against you and, you know, a true hero, you know, Asgore's music. It's just, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. Like I, I know sometimes we say, oh, this is music I could totally listen to on the way to work or whatever. This is music I have listened to on the way to work <laughs> many times. Teddy knows this music. He could call this out to you. He will go through my playlist and specifically put this music on. Music is phenomenal. Yeah, and and this is... I I, I think I literally have this in my notes as this is the least debatable thing about the game. Right. Because, (laughs) you know, some people really hate like indie dev humor. I've complained about it before when I felt like it was too over the top. Right. Some people would look at these graphics and be like, no, I understand they're trying to replicate like an early Nintendo style. But why would you do that? Those games look terrible. Right. I I could understand why anybody would take exception with the morals, the messaging. Uh, There's a bunch of I've seen all kinds of hate thrown at this game for reasons I'm not even going to justify by repeating like, but just <laughs> lots of different things that people have nitpicked at. I honestly don't think anyone has ever nitpicked the music and anyone has like given them the time of day. Like it's just, it's just really good. It's really, really excellent music. I feel like, you know, there, there's, there's saying something like objecting to a thing, right? And the objection is legitimate, right? You know, there's objecting to a thing that no reasonable person would object to, but you're just doing it to like get the views, you know, or whatever. And it's fine, you know, where you're, where you're just kind of like, uh, the number one villain in, in Dragon Ball was, in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z was, you know, Commander Carrot or whatever, <laughs> you know, Boss Carrot, you know? And it's like, what? No, like, of course it wasn't, but you're just trying to do that. And then, there's objecting to a thing that even to object to it to be that like to start a flame war like no one will bite you know like and this would be that where if somebody was like you know the music in undertale is terrible you'd be like uh, i'm not even going to dignify that with a word it's it would be the i'm not going to even dignify it with a response like you, you you'd say like oh no this person's just trying to rope me in you know and 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 i won't let them because this is so ridiculous um I don't know a good time to bring this up, so uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it here because it's not technically audio, but it's word choice. So I'm, let me just get out my shoehorn here. Yep, and I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's <laughs> <laughs> um, more like yeah, girdle gotta, tightening. You, and you got to leave that in. Normally, you would cut out that type of vocal. Form, <laughs> now the joke don't make any sense. You'd be laughing for no reason right now. Uh, um, it but, stays. <laughs> uh, but all that being said is, uh, is that they, they, they do are very specific with their word choice. And, and I know that this may be beating something over the head that's completely obvious. But um, I do like the fact that, you know, they, they refer to each other and, uh, as monsters, you know. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, when they say, like, you're mon- we're monsters, you're human, uh, you know, like, it, it automatically kind of sets your expectation. And they do a very, very good job with, like, how they frame their words, you know. Uh, you know, like, so, for example, you know, they don't say, it's not run away, it's mercy, you know. Uh, you know, things like that, where it's like, okay, because if, if it was run away, that's a different thing. But, you know, you're actually giving this thing mercy, which means that, so your 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 choices are, you know, attack, right, act, you know, and then mer- uh, uh, then item, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fight, act, item, mercy. Right. So, but, because if it was run away, that implies that the monster can, can do something to you. You are running away from a thing. Mercy means that you are in command of that situation. It is whether or not you are going to end this thing's life or bestow upon it mercy, right? So I felt that the the word choice that they picked for everything was very deliberate. And again, they just like in Westworld, how they do a great job raising your cognitive dissonance to just that point. Like they modulate it just right, you know, because when I was playing through this, I was like, huh, mercy. That's weird. Yeah. I'm playing this like weird little, little Charlie Brown kid. That's weird. I'm cutting through these monsters pretty easily. That's wait a minute, you know? So I think that they kind of used all of that together, which I thought was, uh, was well done. Well, here you go. I've got, I have one last audio note and I'm going to try to uh, stitch a needle through uh, your comment all the way into a segue into controls and mechanics. So here we go. Ooh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in it, man. Let's do so, this. <laughs> this is not going to go well. So the, uh, <laughs> the word choice um, is not only very specific, but there are times when uh, the absence is, is the, impl- it, it, that's what's meaningful, right? Is that that thing is taken away. And so what the last note that I had for uh, the music is this game is not afraid to be silent. There are times mm-hmm. when there's like a kind of whooshy wind blowing through the cave noise, but then there's times where there isn't even that there's no music, right. there's no donkey Kong footsteps noise, right? There's just, there's just total silence. Uh, sometimes it comes out of nowhere, like in the middle of a fight or in the middle of dialogue, right? There's just, it'll go to total silence sometimes other than like the text scroll noise. Um, and in the fight with Asgore, at least on the first playthrough, it might be different on subsequent playthroughs. Um, the first thing that he does is take his big trident and there's a big like, and he destroys the mercy option, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, the the game you know kind of takes its very particular word choice and this like big i'm doing damage to you sound effect which is normally the noise it makes when you get hit right the like the slashy sound um and it's like it's using that the absence of the word mercy and the you took damage sound effect to really drive home like no you have to fight you cannot, right. no matter what you've been doing with every other encounter up until now, like you have to fight through this encounter, like it or not. It's literally not even an option on the screen. And so I, I think that was like an interesting way to point out to the player in case they haven't noticed, like, 
Not only are we very particular about what's on screen and what's going into your ears, sometimes we're very particular about what's not on screen and what's not going into your ears, right? And mm-hmm. then uh, this this brings me into like, I think first and foremost, we have to talk about what the battle mechanic is like. Yeah, so the battle mechanic is, uh, I, I, I loved it, man. Um, I find... Uh, as I've gotten older, that it is very, very rare that I have the time or patience to deal with turn-based combat anymore, you know? <laughs> I mean, and again, it's just, you know, it's a factor of there's only so many hours of it in the day and I'm an adult, you know? So, like, I don't, I, I can't spend a whole lot of that. I'm an adult with kids. I think that that's actually the important thing, you know? So there's there's not a whole lot of time to to to, to play video games. So there's definitely not a whole lot of time for me to, like, select an option, wait for an animation to play, select another option. You know, it's it, it just, it, it, the pacing becomes irritating to me. So the the fact that basically combat, both offensively and defensively, is interactive is uh, really cool. And not only is it interactive, but the the visuals that they use with how the thing is attacking you makes sense to the enemy as well. So it's not just like, mini game after mini game it's you know this particular enemy is throwing crosses at you because they have crosses on their outfits so it's like they're hurling that at you or uh you know sans when he fights you he's got like these giant skull monsters attacking you <laughs> and kind of all that stuff you know so it it's not just completely out of the left field um so i i liked it a lot so we need to to take just a half step back to talk about the controls because if I recall correctly, you played this on your PS4. That is accurate, yes. So I played this on PC because, again, like, I was supposed to play this game years ago when it was new because it's right up my alley, right? So I got it, I think, before it was even released on console um, and then just promptly didn't play it. So the reason I say we have to talk about this is I'm not great at bullet hell games, period. <laughs> but get good get good is right. But when you're having to do it with the arrow keys, I found it Mm. even more tricky, right? Because not only do you have to navigate the, the directions with three fingers and on the other hand, than you would normally do movement on a controller, which is what I'm used to. But if you want to go diagonally, which you have to do a lot, you have to, now it's two buttons, right? So like the, these are not inputs that I'm used to doing under duress, with a slow sluggish character sprite that I'm controlling like this, I struggled like teeth grinding, struggling with some of the combat mechanics because I was like, this is not my jam period. And I'm essentially playing in a way I would never even consider controlling this character. Right. So like this was your original doom tomb controls. Uh, yeah. I mean, it literally is it's, it's Z yeah. and X on the keyboard. It is literally those controls. Right. So, yeah. so like, <laughs> so I, I'm, you know, I made my, I did finish the game, right? Like I beat it. So I, I muscled through, but I was like, God, my kingdom for a thumbstick. Like I, just, <laughs> I felt so handicapped. And, and I, I literally said that out loud to myself. I was like, God, I feel handicapped. And then I went, wait a minute. Enter is confirm. Shift is cancel. And the arrow keys to control. You could play this game one handed if you're playing on a keyboard. <laughs> I was like, that, that's kind of cool. Like, I don't know 
it because you can also use Z and X for confirm and cancel. And I was like, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but I bet you can't play this one handed with a controller, right? Like I'll bet you have to use two hands on a controller, but for some reason on a keyboard, they just decided to make it one. It's right hand only, but it's one hand accessible. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, no, I, I didn't uh, have those problems because I'm, you know, good at video games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. It's not because yeah. you're using a vastly superior omnidirectional input device. Uh, no, no, not at no, all. No. Uh, it, it's because I, I'm I am good and at these things, and as a person, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't, I'm not a butterside downer with kinks in his soul. Um, yeah, that's a that's a Doctor Seuss reference for for, the, <laughs> for those of us that either a uh, read Doctor Seuss a lot as a kid and remember it, or b currently have children and are reliving it. Um, anyways, uh, so no, I I and and also too, bullet hell games are. I didn't know this until we really started doing the podcast, but I played a lot of bullet hell games when I was a kid. <laughs> so they are more so my jam. Um, and so, yeah, so this, this was kind of up my alley. Uh, right. Like I said, right up until I, I, <laughs> I took a two year break from it and then went back and tried to beat the final boss. Um, and and but, I, but- I am with you on your assessment of how do we use the JRPG uh, story delivering mechanics and maybe not so much of the JRPG combat delivering mechanics, right? Because that's the part that grinds the experience to a halt for a lot of players, right? And and I love a good JRPG. I'm okay with turn-based combat. And even I sometimes am like, ah, I don't have time for this, right? But if it feels like I'm doing something, then it's, it's a little more sometimes teeth-grindingly frustrating, but it is a, a lot more approachable. And I've seen more and more indie games that are like it's a jrpg but with active combat <laughs> right well and also too though i think that it's um it, it having an active combat role is a hundred percent critical to the nature of the pacifist run so that doesn't work um if all it is because then uh, it becomes a puzzle game right because if you didn't have active combat right it would be like well i have to pick act and there's an 80 percent chance of it working so i have to do Thing A, B, C, and D, and they would always have to work in a certain at a certain percentage rate in a certain order, right? But adding a skill challenge to it that is decidedly easier if you're higher level because you can make more mistakes, right? And it's a and it's a skill challenge that is purely defensive. It's you trying not to get murdered while you're trying to figure out how to not kill your opponent. Exactly. So I mean, it's it's it is not only beneficial for me because I enjoy it more, but it is, it is critical. It is core to the game. Like there's no way it would work otherwise, or, or at least I can't, I can't think of a way that it, uh, it would work, which actually that feeds nicely to one of my notes, which is I was playing the redeemed villain. Um, it's hard, dude. It's hard. <laughs> and, and I appreciated that because, you know, I was like, okay, I'm no more this far, no further. No more mutants, right? Like, I mean, not that horrible, but you know, because it's like, no, <laughs> the opposite of that, right? Uh, <laughs> Lots so of mutants. I said, all the mutants. Not, all the mutants. Um, but no, it's like, I said, like, okay, no, I, I will not. I, I have learned from my mistakes. I will not be this person anymore, right? And as I kept playing, it, so I was like, uh, I'm only going to be able to skate off of the levels of my bad deeds for so long, you know, because the game was pretty easy, but it was get it was getting harder, and I didn't like I had to start scrounging around for more health items because I wasn't, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm way better than you, but I'm not good. You know? 
<laughs> I'm not good. You suck. <laughs> uh, thank you for being a good sport. Um, <laughs> anyways, but uh, yeah, so so that's the thing is that by the time I was starting to get uh, when I fought what what was his name? I'm, I'm blanking on it, but the the disco guy, the robot, the oh, uh, uh crap, it's it's Matt Matter Matter something, yeah, Matterhorn. Yeah. It's not Matterhorn, but it's something like yeah. that. So so when I was fighting on the Matterhorn, uh, wait, isn't that the yes, isn't it that is. the, yes, okay, all right, <laughs> it's not the steak that Homer eats. Yeah, it's um, I mean it's a mountain, and then it's. It's also a roller coaster Disneyland, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but <laughs> all this is true. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I think that, again, playing, playing any sort of good route, both pacifist or redeemed villain or whatever, is decidedly harder. It is dramatically harder, and it should be, you know? Because most games, like, reward you kind of for playing the ethical path because playing the evil path is is easier typically you know i mean like you can always do the thing like we've i I assume we've all done this but i've definitely done it where somebody says please sir i am a a a wizard please go get my staff of ancient awesome and you're like yeah sure i'll take that and then you go get the staff and you turn it in and you get the experience and then you beat the wizard to death and you take the staff you know so now i've got the staff and the experience and the gold um you know, like, and and so that's the thing is that the game rewards you and makes the game, the, the the makes the game easier to like play good because playing evil like has its own like you know little rewards and setbacks. But uh, this game is saying like, no, being a good person, be doing the right thing is harder because it is and it should be. You know, and so I think that the game drilling that and it, it, the the way it drills it in mechanically is so seamless because you just don't gain levels. You know, that makes sense. It's not like, oh, well, because you're making all these good choices, we're going to punish you. It doesn't feel like the game's punishing you. It's just, it's just harder. And the fact that they pulled that together, I thought was pretty seamless and very well done. So let's talk about, uh, sparing monsters. Um, cause I'm, I'm going to be honest with you because I knew what I was getting into and because I knew we had to do this on a schedule and because I had played this game once before when I knew we were going to do a review for this previously, I absolutely had a reference for which actions were required to spare the mm. different monsters because I was like, okay, the first time I played through this, I did just muddle through and I did have to take notes and I know what is involved in the trial and error of do an action, see if I can eventually spare them, try other actions, make notes about what works. So the next time I encounter that monster, I can do it faster that time. And I was like, so I've already lived that frustration. I'm not going to do it again right now, given the circumstances. So I had a reference list. So for me, the primary challenge of combat was surviving long enough to spare them, right? It was like, Mm -hmm. oh, because you have to act. Sometimes you have to act multiple times and then you can spare them. Or you're in a battle with multiple monsters that maybe take multiple acts. So like you might have to do two, three, four, five rounds of crap flying at you before you can spare them and escape the combat situation. So for me, the combat was still challenging. It just wasn't a puzzle. So I'm curious, like, how did you feel about the the puzzle aspect? Like, did you take notes? Did you just easily commit that stuff to memory once you figured it out? Was every time where you just starting from scratch? Uh, I pretty much memorized it just because it was it. I felt that typically the puzzle portion of it was 
semi-intuitive not perfectly intuitive yeah, pet, but you pet know the dogs <laughs> yeah you know it's like pet and i'm like well, that that sounds like probably the right thing to do um i don't i don't remember what the bulk of them were but i, I remember it being somewhat intuitive to the point where i didn't always pick the right thing the first time but the right thing made sense it wasn't like what was it use baby on lake or something like that yes you know? yeah it, yeah uh, yeah it's throw baby at the yeah, lake th- yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> makes me think of like the the john mulaney bit where it's like oh you must be the father because you know not to cut a baby in half you know <laughs> it's like like really am i throwing a baby at a lake is that that's what I, oh no that's what i have to do oh okay um so there there wasn't a throw a baby at lake moment you know so i i typically just committed it to memory um and so i i felt that it was uh about proportionate you know uh to where I didn't feel that I was being fooled deliberately or having my time wasted, that it was just ramping up the difficulty a little bit because again, you just, you just have to survive longer, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that that's how I remembered my experience being the first time we did this like a couple of years ago when I hadn't, uh, I wasn't looking it up. Um, I just wanted to make sure cause I was like, ah, crap. Like this is supposed to be kind of like a core, you know, puzzly like, Oh, you have to figure it out. But I think there are in combat hints for a lot of it. Like you do something, you get a textual response of some kind because the monsters all speak during combat, right? Or they react Mm -hmm. in some way. And so you should eventually be able to narrow it down. Once you narrow it down, you know, you've narrowed it down because then their name is written in yellow and that means that you can spare them. Right. So then you could just easily reach over to a note card and just be like, you know, okay, throw baby. And then, you know, like <laughs> the next time you encounter a baby, the way you spare it is by throwing it into a lake. So I was like, I, I wouldn't be cutting this part of the experience out if I wasn't for like all of the other, you know, confounding factors. But I'm I'm glad that it wasn't like, oh, no, man, that was that was the worst part of the game. Like, I was just I was kicking and screaming the whole time. Yeah, like I, I, I wish I was dead. My life and by extension, everyone else's is meaningless. <laughs> um. Uh, one of the other things that the game does kind of narratively uh, that I really appreciated was that it does a great job, again, setting the stage in the sense of the, the first the first thing you interact with is Flowey, and Flowey's a huge dick. Um, and so because of that, it puts you on the defensive, you know? Um, and again, like this whole this whole game, this whole experience is supposed to mimic like, you know, real life and prejudice and all this other kind of stuff, you know? So most of the times when you run into somebody who is, is racist, sexist, whatever, whatever particular prejudice they're carrying, they, they're like, Oh, well they can point to a, a thing that happened, you know? And, and it's, and again, it's like, okay, so you have now taken this one thing and then used it to color all of your experiences. Right. So they do the exact same thing where it's basically, it's like flowey attacks you and you're like, Oh God, you know, and then uh, Toriel saves you and you're like, okay, so that that's, that's nice. But then she's like, keeping you locked away you know so you're like okay you're the the first thing i ran into pretended to be nice to me and then was mean you must be pretending to be nice to me and then be mean and then when you get out you're like okay this 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 is clearly a world of monsters a world of creatures who are set out to deceive me you know so the game does a great job kind of setting that precedent and being like no actually literally just the first monster that you run into he 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 sucks. He's he's that guy, you know. And then everyone else has no bone to pick with you, you know. And so the I thought that the game did a really good job, kind of setting that expectation, you know, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. The the way I have this same kind of idea manifested in my notes is, and and this is very metagamey, but to be fair, this game is constantly pushing that button, right? Like during the last fight with Flowey, it literally corrupts your save file, and then mm-hmm. Flowey addresses the player directly and says that like. I'm going to kill you over and over by saving and loading so I can just kill you. Right. Like there's, and and that's at the, the very end, but there's a lot of like little kind of winky nudgy nods to the player. It's what, it's what we call a reverse Dr. Strange. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, no, because remember at the end of Dr. Strange, like he sets the time loop and fights Dormammu and gets killed <laughs> over and over again. Yes. In this one, it would be Dormammu setting the time loop, so it's a reverse Doctor Strange. Yeah, it is. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's. Yep, you're right. So, <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of like little winky nudgy things throughout the game, and then the very impossible to. I mean, so this is like an interesting thing on the PC version when Flowey corrupts your save the game closes. You have to literally relaunch the game. And then nice. the entire title sequence is all different because you don't get to the normal title screen. It dumps you directly back into the fight. Right. So like there's a lot of like, ha we're a video game moments, which I'm actually pretty okay with at the time. I was very frustrated with dying a lot. So I was kind of angry at it, but like generally speaking, I'm actually pretty okay with that kind of like, Ooh, it's a video game that knows it's a video game. The thing that did irk me about it is the amount of points in the game where they essentially turn and look right in the camera and go, you got to play this game more than once. If you want to see everything. Hey, you remember that, that item you, you used back there. If you had waited and used it here, some other stuff would happen. Maybe extra dialogue. Maybe you would have gotten a cool reward. You'll never know. I guess you're going to have to play the game again. And after like the 10th, I guess you're going to have to play the game again moment. I was just like, all right, I get it. I'm going to have to play the game more than <laughs> once. <laughs> and and I mean, now to be fair in Toby's defense, there's a lot of, I, I know that's his name, but like, <laughs> I just can't not hear it as Toby from the office. Yeah, no, I, that's why I'm saying it that way. Otherwise I would say Toby Fox. Yeah, it's just like, like in Toby's defense, and I, I feel like Michael Scott's like, how dare you? He he, he requires no defense. Yeah, he deserves no defense. Um, in Toby Fox's defense, uh, he designed the game this way on purpose. This is not lazy like, oh, there's one extra line of dialogue and it justifies an entire replay of the game. There's entire levels and entire boss fights and entire like offshoots of the story and of the lore and characters and stuff that are only accessible on a subsequent playthrough because the game knows that it's a game. And so even though your save file is corrupted and deleted and whatever, there's actually like the secret save data that knows you've played the game this many times. You've died this many times. You died in these places. You killed these monsters, right? All of that stuff is being like, you know, Bart Simpson style on your permanent record. And so <laughs> the the game is designed with subsequent playthroughs in mind. They're actually, they're a core mechanic is you're going to come through here again, but I just, right. I don't know why. Maybe it's like the way I felt about the, the indie dev humor in dead cells being a little too like self deprecating, like ha ha wink, wink, nudge, nudge. There's just after like the 10th time they were like, you're going to have to play the game again. I was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
<laughs> because I don't want to. You can't make me. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the one final big kind of note that I had was um, save points in this game. Uh, it uses them. And so in a game like this, right, because you could very easily say like, oh, well, you know, older nostalgic games, they use save points. So this game uses save points. But uh, I feel that people who are making nostalgic games, good ones, um, <laughs> I don't think that they would just say like, oh, well, this is this is an old mechanic that used to exist. I, too, shall use that mechanic because, I mean, again, we've talked about the literal evolution of games especially when we're talking about missile command being in the primordial soup of games you know like there's <laughs> there is a lot of evolutionary traits that have not made it to modern gaming you know so to just pick one out at random is not a good idea so because i'm not a huge fan of save points um i think that in general they are antithetical to humane design in the sense that when you are done playing the game you may not be done playing the game you know when you all of a sudden your kid's crying in the next room and like pitching a fit and, you know, spewing vomit exorcist style, you know, like you, you, you got to go deal with that, but you're not at the save point. So you may lose some data, you know, like that's uh that's no bueno. But so I was like, so why would they make that choice? And I believe that the reason is, is because as you just said, um, there's a lot of like metadata, you know, where it's like, uh, you know, oh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And, and, and also to like, oh, well, you know, how did you handle this situation? You know, and so they they need to prevent save scumming because if you are save scumming in this game is going to completely ruin your experience, especially if, you know, they have hooks in there that say, like, if you're save scumming, we're going to punish you for it. Um they need to disincentivize save scumming, you know? And so that way it's like, oh, I got hit this once. I'm trying to play through perfectly, so I'm just going to quickly save and reload my file. I mean, it would be a nightmare to try to figure that out from a, a meta game standpoint. So I think that that's why they use save points as opposed to just being able to save whenever. Uh, so yeah, that, that was just something I kind of wanted to, to yeah. mention, at and, least my thoughts on. And they need to, they need to create that strong confidence in the player that they control which actions are saved to disk when in reality they're kind of not right. Cause I mean the the save points do actually save the game, but then mm-hmm. there's this other, there are certain areas of the game that have checkpoints. The last uh, bosses have checkpoints in them. And when you continue, it makes it look like it's loading you from your save, but it's actually not. It's putting you back there and it's restoring your health. And the thing that drove that point home to me is uh, I know exactly how many times it took me to kill Asgore. It's six. And the reason I know that is because when you start that fight, if you talk to him three times, you can like wear him down and it lowers his attack and defense and it makes the fight like a little bit more manageable. If you have Toriel's butterscotch pie and you eat it, he recognizes what it is and that'll also lower his stats. Um, so unfortunately I'd already eaten the pie, but I could talk to him. So every single <laughs> fight I had to talk to him three times because I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to be able to win this if I don't lower his attack because I'm not good at dodging his attacks. And so, uh, the first thing you say to him on the second, uh, time is you remind him that he has already killed you once before and it makes him feel bad. And then, nice. And then the next time, so now you're on attempt number three, you remind him that he has already killed you twice before. And then it just increments each time. And so the last time is like, you remind him he's already killed you five times before. And then that's the battle I won. And I was like, I know exactly how many attempts that was. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting because it's not that you're 
you, you know what it <laughs> you know what it is it's you're like oh i'm just reloading my save but it's like no actually you're being shunted into an alternate universe it is the rick and morty episode where rick builds morty uh Safe point. <laughs> it totally, yeah, the safe remote. It, yeah. yeah, where he's just like, oh no, I was just shunting you into a different universe with that Morty and then murdering that Morty. You know, it's it's exactly that, where it's like, oh, I'm just reloading my saves. Like, nope, shunt it into a different universe. Yep. So uh so that's that's kind of cool. I didn't know that that Rick and Morty crib stuff off of Undertale. It's good to know stuff. <laughs> um the only other thing I have to say about the overall um kind of like game mechanics is this game leans really hard on quirk like it's the visuals are quirky the music's actually not terribly quirky it's a little eclectic because there's a lot of different kinds of music but it's not particularly quirky the text sounds are super quirky all the battle mechanics are super quirky the story is super quirky quirky quirk quirk quirky quirk 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 like they lean really hard into that and right now in this moment calmly having a conversation with you about it. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, when I had died at a boss, like a bunch of times or when something frustrating was happened and then the game was like, Oh, Hey, look at how quirky we are. I was like, shut up. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so like there, it created this kind of antagonist, right? Cause if you're playing like a dark souls and it's like, you know, Oh, this lich dragon ate my heart out again. Like, you're mad at the lich dragon. You're not mad at the game of dark souls, but when mm-hmm. the game's like, look at how quirky and fourth wall breaking we are. I'm like, I hate you, Toby Fox. <laughs> <laughs> so like there was the, I'm really glad I was able to finish this and then have like some time before we recorded. Cause I was like, I was aware intensely aware. I was like, I need metabolism time. Like I need to digest this meal before I can talk about it. Otherwise, I'm just going to be like, it was quirky and dumb, and I hate things that are quirky and dumb. Hey there, Nostalgia Gogglers. This is Lions coming to you from the future past. The future after the recording, but the past because you're listening to the recording of the episode. Anyway, after we finished Undertale and recorded this episode, I found myself thinking about the game so much that I had to go back and finish the true pacifist ending. Uh, and I did that over on my Twitch stream. So if you want to see me do that and hear kind of my uh, additionally metabolized thoughts and feelings about the game after I got that additional bit of story, that's obviously the true ending that Toby Fox is hoping people are going to get to. Uh, you can find the link for that in the show notes, or you can just go straight to twitch.tv slash lions in beta. It's like, come on, Toby, my God, you know, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, actually. And, and this is, uh, and this will probably lead us nicely into the, the final wrap up, but, uh, I, I, I know exactly the emotional state that you were in. And I say that not as in like, I can empathize with you. I mean, like I have personally seen you in that emotional state, <laughs> which is to say that I remember, like, I don't, I, <laughs> You were irritated about something and I said something cheeky to you and because we were both getting into our cars. So there was like a parking lot separating us. And I said, oh, thing A. And you said, fine, whatever, die in a fire. And you just got into your car and drove <laughs> off. So I, I'm imagining that you were <laughs> you were at the die in a fire kind of like where it's like, oh, we're also quirky. He's like, shut up, die in a fire. I'm busy. You know, just got to do things. So uh so yeah, I know exactly. It's it's nice that I've known you for so long that I know exactly <laughs> where you were at, unlike your emotional spectrum. Yeah. So uh. Yep. 
Um, so, so with with that in mind, <laughs> uh, with that in mind, um, I, I think what the game is setting out to do is to make you feel feelings, and it really knocks that out of the park. They won't necessarily be good feelings. They won't necessarily be bad feelings. They won't necessarily be profound feelings. But I think it'd be really hard to play this game and not feel feelings, right? Because if Mm -hmm. you walk through this game, you might be like, what was the big deal? And you might feel kind of like disenfranchised and put out like, oh, why does everybody make such a big deal out of this game? It was just a a violence is bad story and none of the combat was hard, right? Um, If you're grinding your teeth like I was in some parts, like you're actively angry at the game because the game keeps reminding you that it's a game. If you don't know what the twists are that we just spent 90 minutes spoiling, then like you might get to the realization you had where you're like, oh my God, I'm the villain. And like that might be something you've never experienced in another game before. So for a game that is basically like, let's make the player feel something strongly and then have all of those different possible feelings be like worthwhile. Like it's a worthwhile experience, kind of whichever one of those paths you end up on, I think is, is pretty spectacular and, and, and explains why this game is, is such an indie darling. Um, it's for me, like no, you know, no nostalgia goggles required. Like I could recommend this to, anyone that I think would be able to enjoy the fourth wall breaking like that, that Mm -hmm. would be my, my hinge, right? Someone who's like, I'm not really good at bullet hell games. I'm like, "Eh, it's you'll, you'll be good enough, right? It's, it's fine. Or like, I don't really love JRPGs. And it's like, it doesn't, it has the good parts of JRPGs. It doesn't really have the annoying parts of JRPGs, right? Like, but, oh, the graphics kind of suck. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, they're simple on purpose, right? Like and the music's amazing. So there's, there aren't really any other things about the game where I'd be like, oh, maybe, maybe this isn't right for you except the meta stuff. I know people who just hate that wink, wink, nudge, nudge. They just hate it. So like, if that's a a splinter in your mind, maybe this game isn't for you for basically everybody else. It's like, it's just a good solid gaming experience. It's just, it's, it's great. So basically if somebody came up to you and said, should I play undertale? The, you would have one follow up question, which is how do you feel about Deadpool? And (laughs) and they'd be like, what you say? No, no, I promise you that this, this, is actually a very salient question. This makes sense. I swear to God. <laughs> They're like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I kind of like it. I think it's funny. It's like, okay, you're good. It's like, man, I cannot stand Deadpool. All that, like, like smiling to the camera stuff. It's like, oh, you know what? Actually, then no, this is not for you. Um, yeah. So I, I, I also agree. No nostalgia uh, glasses required. Um, this is a, a incredibly solid game, uh, both mechanically, uh, as we said, is is in and yes, it is definitely a feel feelings game but i think that it's uh for me at least it's a challenge your preconceptions game you know um and this is not the first game to do this i i pray that it's not the last uh well actually chronologically it's definitely not the last another one that i can point to that came out recently is the last of us 2 right you know where they force you to play as the antagonist you know and so i think that the more games like this that we have the better because not everyone's going to play The Last of Us 2 and not everyone's going to play Undertale, but the more games we have like this, they kind of say, hey, you've played a million JRPGs, right? But have you ever taken, or even like Chrono Trigger, it's like, have you ever taken a step back and realized that you just went into somebody's home and ransacked it? Like, is that okay? Is that an okay thing to do? Because I think that it kind of, it 
teaches the skill of reflection, you know, to just kind of say like, hey, I've done this a million times. Is this okay? Because I had to challenge it in the video games and I'm being challenged in real life, you know? Um, so realistically, I don't think that there's too many things that you could directly change. You, you could tweak some things. I don't really think there's anything you could truly change, lift out, or that I would in this game to that, that, that wouldn't cause the whole thing to come back, to come, come falling down. So if Toby came up and said, hey, I need to do a complete overhaul of the game, I'd be like, no, no, God, no, please, no, no, no. The curtain falls, the music plays, the credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land. Battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creep in with the edge of a smile. You realize again what you lost for a while. You're gonna think back much less. 